White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. (laughs) Okay. Uh, man, uh, so hey guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, we are 4-0 here in the uh, 2022 Penn State football season coming off of a Central Michigan win, 33-14. to uh, As always, I've got with me uh, Tom Gathman, my brother, and uh, Tom is in a different location from last week. How far did your little legs carry you pedaling like the wind um, in the last week, bro? Well, I've had some strange weather, so it slowed me down. I left tent poles behind me like an idiot first time in a oh, no. in a decade of adventuring i've never left my tent poles behind and so i got wow. I'm, I'm held up here in Kanab, utah right now on the arizona border just north of the um grand canyon waiting for um my poles my poles to arrive um that were supposed to be here saturday but they they weren't delivered as was um directed by the guaranteed delivery by saturday u.s postal service so i need to go down to the postal service after this little recording session um here in Kanab and try and grab what they haven't delivered yet and um, hopefully i can get out of here today and keep moving south because i got places to go um but yeah so you didn't quite make it to arizona just yet i would be south of the grand canyon by now if i hadn't been an idiot and left my poles behind um oh man uh life lessons so anyways don't leave your poles (laughs) yeah i'm i'm at a i'm at a trail angels house in Kanab, utah fortunately on a the long route that i was on last year the hey duke route which by the way i recorded in this same exact house last year um, the week before uh, Halloween, I don't forget which game it was, um, but we I recorded. My, many of them were forgettable. Oh, yeah, well, I recorded from here last year, so it's just funny to be, funny to be back. Um, and so I have some dogs above me that could be running around. We might hear and um, yeah, so so bear with me on this uh, recording session. <laughs> Hey, it's been an adventure all the way along. Um, for those of you who don't know, Tom's using his iPhone plug-in headphones yeah. and microphone. Yeah. So, you know, the last couple of years, we've been really working on some good audio quality, uh, making sure we have good equipment. And this year, we kind of abandoned all of that so Tom could record on his iPhone. Yeah. And um, hey, it's been working out. So, so, far, so uh, good. you know, let's let let's hopefully it keeps on going. Um, so uh, we're going to... Uh, get into that Central Michigan game uh, in a little bit. We're going to talk about the upcoming Northwestern game. That'll be our Big Ten home opener. And um, we also, as always, have some news and notes for you. And that's what we're going to start with right now. News and notes. Well, um, you know, I guess the first big piece of news uh, is that Penn State win, again, 33 to 14 over Central Michigan, the Chippewas. Um, and that win moved us up to number 11 in the AP poll, I guess, or 12 in the coaches. Um, not that polls really matter all that much, but I would say with a rather uninspired win, uh, that three-point jump in the poll uh, implies that some people ahead of us 
went down. And that's just the case. It was actually a really topsy-turvy weekend in college football, bro. Some really fun things, especially after our Penn State game was over. Some really fun scores to watch come rolling in. Um, did you get a chance to watch many of the games there in Kanab? Yeah, I, I was able to watch all of them. Uh, the the bedroom that I'm in has a, has a TV with some streaming capabilities. And I also, whatever wasn't able to be streamed on that TV, I was streaming on my phone. So I was watching basically two games at the same time most of the day. I was waiting <laughs> for oh, my man, holes to be delivered. And, and once they never got here, I was all right. I'll just keep watching football. <laughs> so some some good uh, week four games, uh, including a bunch of upsets, along with a bunch of near upsets. So um, let's dive right in and talk about some of those upsets. Uh, the biggest one's got to be, um, well, let me just say, first of all, let's go back to the 10 second takes. All right. Tom's 10 second takes. And we're going to really try hard to keep them because there's a lot of games to talk about. If we if we take a minute each time, we're going to just be blowing past our time. So 10 second takes. Okay. Here's your first headline. Uh, the big upset of the day. Number six, Oklahoma upended by unranked Kansas State 34 to 41. Transfer from Nebraska, Adrian Martinez basically puts this whole team on his back and beats Nebraska, you know, darn near single handedly. Uh, big thir- third, third and 16 conversion that helped them seal the win. It was it was a interesting and fun game to watch Oklahoma down. Yeah, um, sticking with uh, big names in the Big 12, Texas Tech takes 20 number 22 Texas to task in overtime beating them 34 to 37. I was not able to watch much of this game but basically Texas Tech their head coach had a post game locker room run through a wall type speech and he says everything runs through Lubbock and the country's going to know. So be on the lookout, you know, Nebraska Texas Texas Tech Red Raiders, they might be coming for the college football world. Wow. Um, I I mean, you know, Texas has looked suspect already this season, uh, but, you know, Texas Tech is not one of those uh, big marquee names in the Big 12. At least they haven't been for a long time. Really not ever, not that I can remember ever. Um, The other thing he he said in that speech was uh, uh, apparently uh, a reporter asked him, how does it? Uh, you know, how significant is it, is it to beat Texas or something like that? He's like, not significant at all. They're and one in the big 12. We're one and oh, that's hilarious. It had been a that, while since Texas tech had beaten Texas. It, it was significant for them. He was just trying to, you know, sully his in-state recruiting rival, essentially. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, that makes um, the two biggest names, in the Big 12, who are, by the way, migrating to the SEC in just a few years, um, both of them on the same weekend uh, lost to lower tier Big 12 teams yep. uh, on the same weekend. So that's pretty funny. Um, Go enjoy the SEC. All right. Here's another head. Here's another headline. Um, this is, uh, you know, technically an upset. Well, I guess actually it's a big upset. Um, Uh, Miami, ranked number 25. Middle Tennessee makes Miami miserable as the Hurricanes fall 45 to 31. So they were like a 24-point favorite in that game, much like our game. Um, And, you know, to lose by what? They lost by two touchdowns? Yeah. And I think it wasn't even that close, to be honest with you. I think Miami kind of, I think, 
Miami made it look more respectable. They tried to to stage a comeback. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. So, but 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 essentially, Middle Tennessee State housed them. I mean, they they look. Here's the thing: Middle Tennessee is not App State either. They lost to JMU something like forty-one to fourteen a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and by the way, however, JMU did just beat App State too. So. No, that's not right. They sh- lost to App State. Oh, did they? Okay, my bad. They lost to App State my bad. this past weekend, yeah. I don't have notes in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was looking at that, actually, because uh, I was on a college visit this past weekend with uh, my uh, senior in high school son, and um, we were actually at JMU, and you know they just moved up into um, the FBS. And um, anyway, I was, you know, they're, they're, uh, athletic program is sort of on the rise. So I was, I was looking at, at them and I was like, Oh, they lost to app state. Well, you know, what are you going to say? It's app state. They're app state's a good team. Okay. <laughs> um, but that same, uh, JMU team that lost to app state crushed middle Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> who so, just embarrassed Miami. So as a, as a non 10 second aside from Tom, you know, Mario Crystal Ball is, you know, it's as dire of a of an opening for him at, at his alma mater as you could possibly get. Yes, they who I, they they won like some game to start their season. Who they beat? They uh, someone that, decent that they that they started their season with. But they were a top, I think, uh, fifteen team coming into the season, thinking everyone's thinking that they're going to win the ACC or at least contend to. And they paid this guy, you know, eight, they're paying him $8 million a year. I don't even know what his buyout was to leave um, Oregon, but I'm sure it was substantial. And they also, I think if I'm not mistaken, that Miami even bought him like a mansion where, where his neighbors are Jimmy Butler from the Miami Heat NBA team and Alex Rodriguez. So this head coach is living the lavish life down in Coral Gables and he can't couldn't score a touchdown against Texas A&M. And, you know, he, he can't even beat Middle Tennessee State. So, like, what? Overpaying for these coaches is, like, across all of college football is proving to be, like, really a bad, bad, bad look when you're not even able to pay the players who are playing the game. So it's, like... It's just, a, it's a bad look for, for him. It's a bad look for Miami. It's a bad look for college football in general. Um, it, it's a, you know, I just, it's, I, I don't, it, it, it's a conundrum to me how we keep paying these coaches absurd amounts of money. And we'll get into Mel Tucker. We'll get into Michigan State, but th- he's another one, you know, where you're just like, yeah. you're like, how do you pay these coaches this much money to lose this, the games this way? Well, just to close that tangent Thanks. and their opening. Thanks. Uh, their opening uh, game success against BC, who they put 70 points up on. Uh, that, by the way, same, Bethune Cook. Yeah, not Boston, not Boston College. College. <laughs> who, who, by the way, fellow ACC school, Florida State, did destroy this weekend, Boston College. So another BC. Yeah. Not good. Um, anyway, so, and then their second game, which was a, a win, was against. Uh, it says USM here's uh, Southern Miss. Yeah, Southern Miss. So, they beat thirty to seven. Yeah. So they 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 basically beat uh, did not. <laughs> they yeah exactly. Um, all right. So um, 
I'm happy. Next, I'm happy uh, to have Miami continuing to flounder. By the way, don't get me wrong. Continuing to flounder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next upset. Um, I guess it was the um the last real actual upset. And this one is, I don't know, borderline. All right. Cause it's the game between Texas A&M and um, Arkansas. So Texas A&M was ranked 23, Arkansas ranked 10. Apparently Arkansas is overrated because the Aggies uh, snuck past the Razorbacks 23 to 21. App State beats Texas A&M. Texas A&M beats Miami. <laughs> Texas A&M beats, uh, you know, number 10 Arkansas, Arkansas, but they do it basically on this wild scoop and score. One of the most wild. So, so KJ Jefferson, who, by the way, beat Penn state last year in the bowl game j- jumps. Like I th- he's like going for the goal line from like the seven yard line, leap over the pile, extending the ball, like very, very dumb play by, by this quarterback. They rip the ball out of his hands and they, they, they start running towards the sideline and trying to run up the sideline. And the guy's met at like the 20, 30 yard line or so by a bunch of defenders. And then he just gets his own man, rips the ball out of the, out of his hands and then races the rest of the way down the sideline for a touchdown to make it a 14 all game. And then it was basically all Texas A&M after that. And it was the wildest play I've ever seen from us, from a fumble scoop score kind of uh, perspective. It was wild. Definitely a sports center type highlight. Um, You got to see it on YouTube if you haven't. But um, the other thing on that is that um, Arkansas had a chance to win this at the end. That's true. That's true. Uh, They had set up for a walk-off field goal and the field goal ended up doinking off the tip of the upright. <laughs> and to, so they ended up uh, losing by two um, and, uh, you know, getting uh, technically so that, upset by the tip uh, of the Texas upright A&M. was because here's the, I guess here's the, and I said it was all Texas A&M and obviously I'm an, I'm an idiot and I was wrong, but um, the, there's an extra five feet on the NFL field goal post so call, yeah, college this is was 30. played in Jerry World. Exactly. <laughs> the the fake cotton ball. So the top the tip <laughs> the fake cotton ball. So the 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 quote unquote controversy is that if it was at a college game, maybe the refs would have incorrectly called it a field goal. <laughs> like like oh yeah, I guess so, technically it has to be fully inside the upright, but it would have been a judgment call at that's that point what, well, from the So but the whole point is that because there was a extra five feet, it wasn't a field goal, so it was correct. So so it removed the judgment call and then so so there's no controversy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, so thank you. But Arkansas uh, fans are, are ticked for, off. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh anyway, um all right. So we go from those upsets to a couple of near upsets. Um we're going to start in the one that you know, we were all kind of uh, hoping for um, this was the big noon kick on Fox. Maryland crumples in crunch time, losing to number four Michigan in the big house, 34 to 27. So the difference in the game is, in my opinion, the opening kickoff. Um, basically, oh, yeah. Maryland fumbles the opening kickoff to give Michigan an easy opening seven points. And that turned out to be the difference in the game. Seven points. But apparently, it was the fastest score in uh, the FBS in like a long time, or maybe ever, ever, because the there was no run back on the touchdown, so it wasn't like a, a or you know on the opening kickoff, so there wasn't like a ten second there. Right. It, it, like literally, there were like three seconds that went off the clock, and then Michigan scored on the next play. So like, bada bang, bada boom. The quickest. 
Yeah, you, you know, the quickest score you can't, maybe ever. You in can't football. run a hundred yard kickoff uh, in three seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, but even so, um, the, this game was close going into the fourth quarter. Maryland at one point was only down by eight with the ball in their hands, and then they just blew it. <laughs> Talia Tagaviola basically is is his whole career very turnover prone. Yeah, um, but also pretty, um, you know, pretty electric. So uh, this is the thing for me, like, you know, Michigan in their first game against real actual competition was in a dogfight at home yeah. against Maryland. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they weren't, they going into the game, they were like, had the, the best different point differential in the country along with Minnesota, I think. Um, yeah. And they, they beat. Maryland by only seven. Exactly. So. And Maryland, you know, t- t- if you compare recruiting classes to what, what Michigan has is, the, you know, the, the, the talent level on Michigan is totally different. So it's just, it, it's nice to see that Maryland, um, you know, could go into the big house um, and on a big noon kick, uh, you know, so a, pre- a premier, um, you know, network broadcast matchup. And they didn't, they didn't totally crumple in terms of keeping, keeping it close. So kind of, you know, maybe leaves a little blueprint, uh, for, for what Penn State could do moving forward, uh, in a, in a few weeks for when we go to the big house. All right. Back to our 10 second takes. Um, (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Uh, another, uh, team at the top of the, uh, of the table, uh, number five, Clemson wakes up against wake forest winning in double overtime, 51 to 45. I really wanted Clemson to lose this game. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't, I didn't watch it analytically enough to give you a great 10 second take, but just, you know, are they overrated or is that defense not as good as, as advertised? Um, yeah, who knows? Uh, they, they appear to be suspect. Yeah, and by the way, um, uh, Clemson went for two on their second um, touchdown in overtime, which I think is by rule now. Uh, they missed a two-point conversion, so Wake Forest had it set up to win, and they, um, you, you know, on a on a fourth and seven, they went for the end zone. It was broken up, and um, yeah, they had a chance to win. They just they just couldn't uh, pull the trigger. The Clemson defense kind of uh, woke up there at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Um, that they, all right, they after. Uh, on your second overtime attempt, they're already making you go for two. I, I don't know. I, I still don't like whatever the co- college football overtime rules are. They're, they're just wonky. There's, it's just not. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, we could have a whole debate over you know whether the the uh, college level or pro level has better overtimes. I I gotta say I'm not particularly thrilled with the way um, NFL does it, but I think it's better than college right now. I agree. At least you're playing the actual game of football. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Um, here's another near upset. Number 20, Florida finally falls <laughs> to number 11, Tennessee, 38 to 33. They're just searching for that good, good alliteration. Um, oh, yeah. It's everything, man. <laughs> so, yeah, Florida, uh, you know, they they crown again, just like last week, they crowned they crowned Florida early um, and gave uh, Anthony Richardson the Heisman hopeful praise after week one beating um, Utah. But I mean, Tennessee looks legit and Florida looks like they they're kind of lost. Agreed. 
It'll be interesting to watch how that plays out in the SEC over the course of this. I mean, it was a good game. Um, all right, it was a good game. Like, like I thought Tennessee, you know, really had them, and then uh, Florida really fought back. Um, weren't able to to pull the quote unquote upset. Of course, this is the first time since Tennessee's beaten Florida in a good long while. Yeah. So it, it actually feels like Tennessee upset Florida, even though they were the higher ranked. Yeah, team. yeah. And and for what it's worth, you know, college game day was there. Uh, I think it was a very cathartic weekend for a volunteer fan uh, in general. So I, I don't really have hatred towards Tennessee, um, but it, it's, you know, it's good for college football when when teams are resurrected um, over the course of you know decades. <laughs> Look, when Tennessee's back on top, I'm going to really, really not yeah. like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the moment, at the moment, they've been. You know, they've been down for so even Florida down though. So that's like, what do you want? I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're a team like a a traditional power that you, you, you like to see kind of regain their footing after a long time. Um, all right. Another 10 second take for you near upset. Number 15, Oregon orchestrates an improbable comeback to beat Washington state 44 to 41. Uh, Honestly, in my, in my personal opinion, Bo Nix did lead this comeback for sure um washington state i feel um more so lost it though you know like i think they They gave up three touchdowns in three minutes at the end of that that's what i'm saying yeah i think they made some they made some bad choices coaching as well if i remember correctly um it just uh, i think yeah it just was not a well-executed um, end to the game for for Washington State, which sucks because they were in Pullman, and you know that they had beaten Wisconsin earlier in the season. Like this would have been a a statement game for for the Cougars, and it would have you know put them on the national scene as probably being a ranked team. Um, I would think so, and unfortunately, um, you know they let it slip away. Speaking about letting it slip away, how about that Missouri Auburn result? that Missouri had won three times, but (laughs) that's true. I mean, Missouri basically won that game. I mean, Auburn did everything they could to lose that game and um, uh, went to overtime. Auburn (laughs) escapes on a fluke turnover when the guy running it into the end zone, lets go of the ball in celebration before across the goal line. Uh, was recovered in the end zone by Auburn for a touchback game. I feel like if you're an offensive player entering college football from high school, they need to like every team should be showing a compilation of every player who's let go of the ball before the goal line and be like, if you do this, we're kicking you off the team. (laughs) Like, like (laughs) it's like, here's what it is to me. It's like dying in a car crash because you didn't wear your seatbelt. Yeah. It's like, it's so easy. It's like such a a dumb thing to do. Like, you know, no, (laughs) hey, just hold on to the ball. Yeah. Hold on to the ball. Wait till you cross the goal line. Wait till your foot is in the end zone. Yeah. And and I think, I I don't know who's more upset that that kid uh, let go of the football before the goal line. <laughs> Auburn fans or Missouri fans, this. you know, know. Like, like Auburn fans had to watch, you know, their their hopes and dreams of Brian Harson being fired dashed to bits, at least for a week, <laughs> because I don't understand. Like, look, if if Harson was going to get fired it, it, that, by losing the that, game, exactly, like exactly, he made some dumb what choices. Is, what is winning it in such a fluke? How does that keep him? 
on the payroll. It, it just you know? gets her on the payroll for another week. It, I don't think it does. But anything. I don't even see how that in itself should be like, you know, at this point, if you don't have confidence in the guy and, and the other team lost, well, here's the game why then you want, it. there's that little tiny glimmer of like, Hey, can this actually spark the team moving forward? All right. So you're saying Cause it, there's a cause chance. It is, Cause <laughs> it is a big, big deal to like totally shift regimes. It is. It's hard in college football to to uproot your recruiting, to uproot your coaching staff, to 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 have these. I don't know. I think it's cruelty to leave a guy dangling like that. Like, either either keep him on or let him go. But just uh, you know, hey, you're put the guy you're, out of. You're not the one making the close. making the decisions. So you know, maybe you just. Here's the question: Who is making the decision at Auburn <laughs> right now? Real, by the way, <laughs> that's probably why he hasn't been fired yet. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have an AD like you have, and you, there's all this talk of the boosters being in charge, uh, you know, at that university, which I don't even think the fans are enjoying that possibility of boosters, you know, controlling the fate of their football program. So, yeah, who is in charge over there? We'll find out. With right. who's, One who gets more hired, near upset that was uh, just on the verge of being so wonderful that just slipped through a team's figures. Um, Oregon State crumbles in the fourth quarter allow number seven USC two touchdowns to win 17 to 14 two touchdowns in the fourth quarter by the way after they were winning basically the entire game in a defensive battle and they allow Jordan Addison the Bolitnikoff award winner portal transfer from Pitt to 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 score the winning the winning touchdown in uh and 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 Oregon State they're they they're having um their stadium renovated so they're not they weren't even able to have a full capacity but they those fans desperately wanted to beat that USC team and they had it until the very very end sadly um but you know as a fan of college football in general, I couldn't even watch this game because the, it was on the Pac-12 Now app, and Ew. very few packages uh, without actually paying for the Pac-12 network separately allows you to watch that game. So, or watch that network. So, very dumb of the as a, a, this tangent goes on. Uh, very dumb of the Pac-12 to al- to not even allow their their premier um, conference member USC to be seen on national TV, which it's a Pac-12 after dark kind of game anyway. So it's like Pac-12 doing their their te- their conference members zero favors with how they allow these games to be seen. Hey, Pac-12, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you suck, by the way. Thanks for letting us have USC. <laughs> That's honestly um, that's a that is in a nutshell why USC is like okay yeah we'll leave the Pac-12 because they literally aren't right. doing us any favors we can't get our players seen on national TV uh, even if we have Heisman Trophy candidates and Caleb Williams you know so so they're like we'll take the money and the exposure to leave you know our longstanding tradition of being in the Pac-12. I guess maybe the uh, upside of uh, rolling out the red carpet for Ohio State every single season is that they don't have a strong incentive to leave because we're giving them every break they can possibly get. Why would the Ohio um, State leave USC the Big Ten? Not, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, anyway, U- USC hasn't gotten that kind of love from the Pac-12. They've been you know, e- either number seven ranked in the country and you can let five people watch the game. That's just ridiculous. It is. Anyway, um, 
Uh, let's just move to the 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 Big Ten, where our ten second takes are going over time. Hey, bro. man. So listen, I like college football. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's try to keep it snappy. All right. Uh, here we go. Um, in the Big Ten, uh, Minnesota manhandles Michigan State 34 to 7, and they make their first appearance in the top 25 at number 21 this week. Um, Michigan State had the ball for 17 minutes. They looked worse. Ugh. They looked worse in this game than they did against Washington. Like maybe Minnesota's for real. Like it's very possible. Or is Michigan State really that bad? Um, Anyways, so Mel Tucker's not looking hard to know. Mel Tucker's not looking like he was worth the nine and a half million dollars a year, ninety-five million dollars guaranteed. They could fire him this year, next year, three years from now, and he would still make every penny of that ninety-five million dollars. Well, at um, at the moment, it, it's looking like last year's success was a major flash in the pan. Kenneth Walker, the uh, portal transfer, apparently was worth ninety-five million dollars. To Mel oh my Tucker. gosh, that's a crazy <laughs> way to frame it. Uh, holy cow. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you know, at the moment, Michigan State hasn't figured out how to put together against a Power 5 competition. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they continue their season because, of course, we have them looming at the end of a tough schedule. Uh, so, anyway, um, now that we, we there are currently three teams in the um, Big Ten East uh, that have a loss, uh, Michigan State. Uh, being one of those um, uh, loss in the Big Ten, I should say. Yeah. Um, another team in the Big Ten East who also has a loss is Rutgers as they got run over by Iowa 27 to 10. Let's be very clear here. Um, the <laughs> Iowa was up 14 to 3. And they're I de- only scored one offensive touchdown, and it wasn't any of the fir- their first two. Their defense scored an interception return for a touchdown and a fumble recovery for a touchdown, returned for a touchdown. Like so, Iowa's offense is still bad, but Rutgers maybe is just that much worse than even Iowa. So you know the defensive battle did exist because uh, Iowa only scored one offensive touchdown, but. You know, I was bad. You're telling me they scored. They oh yeah, like they scored two defensive touchdowns and two field goals. That's their twenty points. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Moving (laughs) moving on. Um, Ohio State obliterates the Badgers, fifty-two to twenty-one. This was the primetime game on ESPN, by the way, and um, I was I was kind of excited to see what would happen, and um, boy, I just like literally. After the first quarter, I'm like, all right, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and I've made mention before that a lot of my friends in Denver are uh, from the Midwest, Chicago area, Wisconsin grads. Um, so they're Wisconsin fans. And, um, dude, they turned it off after the first Ohio State touchdown because they just knew. They literally were like, we can't watch this. We can't. We can't. And they sliced through them like butter. Yeah. It was 21, zero points, 21 points in the first, like, uh, you know, in 10 minutes of the game or something like that. So I'm not surprised that Wisconsin had trouble scoring um, because their offense has been, you know, pretty suspect all season going back all, even to last year. But the ease at which Ohio State scored, I mean, they put up 52 points. And yeah, so against Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, here's my problem with Ohio State. Um, yes, you know, you'd like to have seen, um, the Badgers play a better brand of defense, 
But I think once once Ohio State starts scoring, it's more like an avalanche. I think Ohio State's offense is really starting to get going and clicking. But here's the problem. Don't say that. I don't. Here's the problem for me. You know, where we as Penn State fans have been watching Penn State playing its backup quarterback and even third string quarterback in several games. In this blowout against Wisconsin, obviously superior, you know, Ohio State team and an inferior opponent. It was 45 to like, I want to say 14 midway through the fourth quarter. They still have CJ Stroud out there throwing passes and touchdowns to their first string wide receivers and with their first string offensive line out there midway through the fourth quarter. So it to me is obvious that Ohio state is doing, trying to do several things. One, they're trying to get CJ Stroud in the Heisman conversation. You know, the, the brand of football that, that Ohio state wants to play is winning, um, winning blowouts, winning every game by a blowout if possible. So they have the strongest resume possible and trying to gain postseason awards for their players, which I understand it, but it, it's just like, it adds this like horrible taste in your mouth to what Ohio state already is, you know, and especially coming from being a Penn state fan, when you already hate Ohio state, it just adds like a, an extra, like, disdain for them for for the way that they're and you know we come from a joe paterno era of like joe never wanted to humiliate teams ever 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 and that is the exact opposite of what ohio state is is as a program at heart sadly yeah it's um it's not classy at all and um certainly yeah i mean it it engenders bad blood for sure i mean by the way, one of the few teams that we really ran up the score on a lot on, in the Joe Paterno era was Ohio State. We put something like 63 points on them one year, I think exactly because this is how they have played football for a long time. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, what goes around comes around. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether any team can really um, handle Ohio State this year. Penn State will get their shot. Obviously, Michigan will get their shot. But you know, if it comes to it, whether this season or another season, a team has a chance to humiliate Ohio State, they will take it. And um, that, that that's a result of this kind of uh, consistent behavior. Um, so, uh, you know, I get it. The top, like you said, that, you know, the top four or five teams, it's an arms race. It's who can wow people and, and stats are part of that. But that's just a bad look. And um yeah. All right. Let's um, move on. A couple more. Um, 10 second takes. Big 10 games. <laughs> yeah. 20 minute takes. Um, uh, so uh, Purdue floats by FAU 28 to 26, man. They Purdue barely beat Florida Atlantic. You got to think a, a little bit that like, you know, they sunk so much into that first game against us that maybe we were there. Indiana, what Indiana was to us in 2020, you know, maybe similarly, mm. like, like we kind maybe of we de- broke them, derailed their, their, um, momentum. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, in retrospect, that Purdue win and the Auburn win are not looking as exciting. I mean, those are on paper, solid teams, but you know, a win is a, a win. Gameplay. A win they, is a win. I'll take Purdue winning. I'll take, I'm not saying it's not a, a decent win. I'm just saying it's not as big of a win. I agree. As it seemed at the time. I agree. You know, I agree. Um, 
lastly, um, Cincinnati handled Indiana pretty easily, 45 to 24. Yeah, I don't think anybody had it. It's Indiana. They're having a bad year, even though even though they were three and zero, they 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 look suspect. Um, and they had a bad year last year, and they 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 almost beat Cincinnati last year when Cincinnati you know made the playoff. Uh, ultimately, yeah, people are talking about it as maybe like a a revenge game, yeah. and yeah, it didn't didn't work yeah, out that close way. to that. Yeah, um, there was one more Big Ten team that played this weekend, Northwestern, but Ooh. let's hold off on talking about that until we get to the. Uh, Northwestern look ahead. All right. So um, that'll close out news and notes. And um, now a let's 40 minute um, news and notes, a 36 minute news and notes. Nice. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> um, Hey, that, those 10 second takes that's, this is a really good method for keeping that, that segment tight. No so doubt. Way to go, no doubt. <laughs> the brothers are on fire today. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about the central Michigan game. Um, I got to say, I did not feel super great about it coming off of that game. Um, I, you know, by the end of the game, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't in full froth, but I didn't feel great about it. Um, if I had to have one word to describe the game, I would say uninspired. Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, I, there's really, to me, uh, are we talking about the, the central Michigan game now? Is that what we're doing? We're talking about the okay, central Michigan. Okay, game. I just want to make sure yes, I have, I have permission. Uh, you know, I've got to, I've got to, you have permission. Yeah, yeah, when do you need permission to say anything, okay. anytime ever? Well, but um, yeah, I want to talk about the Central Michigan game. I've got a framework for kind of talking through it, but just your kind of what's your first impression or your sort of overarching, you know, response on, on the game as you are watching it, as you're reflecting on it now. Well, there, I have two thoughts and they're, and they're both offensive at the moment. Um, one, the, Offensive line still has work to do. They did not play a physical brand of football today, but somebody did play physical football today, uh, or, or excuse me, on Saturday, and it was Katron Allen. And he, thankfully, when we have one of our running backs bottled up in Singleton who could not get going at all, um, Katron Allen had the vision and the tackle breaking ability to get a hundred yards. So it, it's, you know, at, for the last several years, we've been, um, you know, rotating three and four running backs to try and come up with some sort of solution when no one can get going. And it's just, you know, been floundering miserably for the last two seasons. And at least here's Katron Allen who, um, you know, can, 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 you know, can make it work. I think he's a more balanced and complete back, quite Franklin. Um, <laughs> so well, tell you what, you you just you just pulled out two uh, specific points. I'm looking forward to talking to as we uh, go through the game. Sure. Um, so so way to go. Um, just I'm, I was just looking for kind of your overall impression of the game. Your kind of your takeaway from it. Big big picture. Oh, man. You have anything? So it's just <laughs> it's just like you know. I, a lot, all of college football this past weekend had a lot of uninspiring efforts from teams that had looked strong previously. And, you know, so a lot of people call this kind of a game a clunker. And the boys over, uh -huh. the boys over at the, um, the solid verbal, um, uh, which is another app or excuse me, another podcast that I like to listen to. Um, they, they say, yeah, the, the phrase win your clunkers. 
Um, so we, uh-huh. we won our clunker. And and really, that's the takeaway for me is like we could play uninspired football and still beat a team that put 44 points up on top 10 Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's a great point. Um, so, uh, no, that, I like that phrase. You win your clunkers. This definitely felt like a clunker. Um, and like, I do want to talk about it. I don't want to just sort of like, it'd be really easy just to kind of push everything off to the side and say, okay, well, I'm glad we got out, out of there with a win. Um, how are we going to talk about it today? Here's what I want to talk about it and this framework, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, so there were some good things when I started thinking about it to talk about. There were definitely some bad things and a couple of ugly things. So um, let's talk about it with that lens. We'll start with the good stuff. Start with, uh, first of all, as you said, getting out of there uh, with a win on a weekend when so many teams had upsets or near upsets. This wasn't even close to being an upset. It was a comfortable win. Uh, We won our clunker. So, yeah, I I think that's a good thing. and let's turn our attention to some of the good things on the offense. Okay. Um, we, uh, scored three unanswered touchdowns to pull away at the end of the game. Um, which leads me to this kind of interesting factoid, bro. Um, we've scored 30 plus points in four straight games to start the season for the first time since 2018. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's back when we had Trace, and that's back when we had Miles Sanders. Um, and we were, yeah, we were scoring. I think we were averaging like 33 to 36 points a game back then. Um, I mean, last two years, we've been like, you know, pulling our hair out yeah. for lack yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of, of scoring. And, you know? so and, the, and, like, and this is, yeah, this is our worst game of the season. And we still scored, you know, what, what was our final point total? 33. 33. 33. Yeah. So, so, it, and that would have been one of our better score totals of the year last year. And this is, this is a clunker. <laughs> exactly. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then, so let's move on to Sean Clifford. Now, you know, he's going to show up in the bad category, but in the good category, uh, he had four touchdowns accounted for three passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Um, by the way, uh, this raised his, uh, career touchdown total in passing to 70 on his career, just seven behind trace McSorley. Um, so he's now second all time, uh, at Penn state. He took some shots in that game. So, um, hopefully he's, uh, staying healthy in, 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 you know, this, this week preparing for Northwestern, but, um, you gotta think that if he stays healthy, that's, he's definitely going to be our all time passing leader in terms of touchdowns. He had kind of a pedestrian um, a passing total, uh, 217 yards, um, but that also did uh, break a tie with Christian Hackenberg. So now he's in sole possession of second all-time at Penn State and apparently only six yards behind uh, the all-time passing record held by Trace McSorley. Only six yards? Yeah. I was like, that's got to be touchdowns, but it's actually yards. He's six yards behind Trace McSorley for the all-time passing yard total at Penn State. I mean, he's like, again, and like, unless he gets his leg broken at the, you know, first play from scrimmage, uh, he's going to be one of the Penn State statistical leaders. Uh, He's going to at least hold it for a couple seasons at this point. So, Um, um, you know, he wasn't done any favors by his his, uh, wideouts. 
People were dropping passes for sure, but he also missed a bunch of open targets as well. Um, you know, he's, he was in it for a 64% completion on the day. Um, yes, he was completing passes, but also, you know, ones where he was missing, he, he was off the mark by a, a lot in some cases. Yeah, definitely streaky Clifford. He was eight for eight to start. Looked fantastic. Led two straight touchdown scoring drives. We've had and then, second and then quarters. We'll talk We've about had second that. Quarters where we where Clifford has just looked pedestrian. We'll talk about that in the uh, in the bad yeah. when we get there. Um, but um, last thing I'll just say for Clifford on the good, no turnovers. Yeah, yeah, we, we you know, we've had the protected. The we've ball. had the puke six, and that's that's really the only. <laughs> You know, that's our one turnover on the season. Yeah, by the way. knock on wood. Four games in, one turnover. Knock that's, on wood. Right. Um, all right. So another in, in the good category. Um, you already mentioned it. Our run game. We had a third straight game with a hundred yard rusher. I mean, we were taking bets by the end of the season if we'd even get a hundred yard rusher, and now we've had three straight games. This time it was Katron Allen. Um, who had 111 yards on 13 carries. That's an 8.1 yards per carry average. Well, so my predict, bold prediction was that both our running backs, uh, Katron Allen and Singleton, would get, go over 100 yards. Singleton missed that mark by a lot, but Katron Allen yeah. went over, and you had predicted that Singleton would go for 200 yards. Did yeah, that was way off. He didn't even have there. 50 yards. No, uh, no, it was it was fairly pedestrian uh, day for Singleton, but um, that's a you know, that's Alan, a, that's an Allen had looked, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Allen had looked good in other games. He just hadn't quite broken. Uh, broken out as so he broke out in this game. Um, he he had a career long thirty seven yard rush. Um, that day puts him at two hundred seventeen yards for the season, um, and his career a uh, six point oh yards per carry average. Uh, that's a good looking stat line. Um, and by the way, check out this. Uh, he has yet to have a negative yard rush in his career at Penn Singleton State. Singleton had several uh, in that game, yeah. sadly. So so he's making positive yards. Um, Allen had a great game, and it's nice to see his stat line. Uh, another another um, player on the, on the plus category, on the good category, Brenton Strange had another day. Two touchdowns, um, two of his five catches for 42 yards. Um, he just he's a real weapon and i'm really glad to see we're getting him into the game by the way theo johnson who's been kind of hampered by an undisclosed injury um he was back in the action uh had an 11 yard catch on the day um looked pretty good um getting into the action there i'm glad to see I, him I think, back i think brenton strange may might be um leading the big 10 in a couple of these categories at the moment um Interesting. And he at the very I think he's, you know, there's rumblings of like, hey, maybe he's um possibly like in the running for the the, the Mackey Award, which goes to the you know, the nation's top tight end, which obviously pre premature for national awards for end of season national awards. Um, but essentially he's more or less surpassed his production from last year already. Or or not in four games. Or, or I should say um not necessarily surpassed, but has equaled. Um equaled his production. I think he has, he's a few yards short of what he had last year, but he has equaled his touchdown totals and he's, and he's done it on less receptions. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's been a decision to get uh Brenton strange. And I would assume Theo Johnson will be in this mix when he's, you know, back and fully healthy, get the tight ends involved in a passing game, you know, getting the, the, 
the needed first downs and they're blocking, you know, Brenton strange, of course, in the Auburn game was, was really highlighted for his blocking capabilities. Um, so the tight ends are making a mark and, and that's really good to see if you want to be a physical team, that's going to challenge people. You got to have uh, a couple physical tight ends. That's really nice. Yeah, to see well, why, while our wide receivers are not getting the separation consistently that we have been accustomed to with say Jahan Dotson, um, but you know these tight ends are kind of filling in the gaps, and and you know Strange has been a very reliable target. So that's that's going to be yeah, important it's, it's moving forward. It's interesting, you know. It may be that you know there's a, extra attention being given to the wideouts, really trying to lock them down, and and maybe that's um, giving some openings for these tight ends. I'm glad. I'm glad Sean's finding them. I'm glad they're they're making the most of it. A lot of yards after catch right now. Um, you know how that. That might shift when you get to some of the more physical teams in the in the Big Ten, but um, right now these uh, tight ends are making a, a pretty big mark for themselves. Reliable um, scoring, reliable receiving, moving the chains. It's it's been good to see. Um, all right, let's let's um, look at the defense because the defense had some really good things going on. Um, first of all, probably the most important, they shut out Central Michigan in the second half. So after they let Central Michigan come back and tie it in in the first half, a complete shutout in the second half, um, so that Penn State was able to score, you know, three unanswered touchdowns. So that was pretty awesome. Glad to see that. And um, they did a lot of that by uh, just the same kind of making chaos, creating chaos that they've been done uh, doing the last few games. Four turnovers in this game. Yeah. For the defense again. Wasn't there almost a fifth. Didn't like a there was almost a didn't fifth, a fifth yeah. get like called back from a penalty or something like that. I think so, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Manny Diaz is still scheming uh, to get the ball, so that's good. And our players are playing op- opportunistically. Um. The uh, uh, Zachy Wheatley, um, uh, he play, made a great play on on a ball for an interception. Yeah. Um. I, I kind of um. Uh, they're escaping me how they all occurred at this juncture. Oh. Yeah, so we had two fumbles and two interceptions. Um, so um, Zachy Wheatley and um, uh, Johnny Dixon was the other uh, one. Yeah, great catch by Johnny Dixon on on coverage. Great catch, yeah, he playing was, the ball. He was in good position for all that. Obviously, it was an underthrown, a poorly placed ball by the quarterback. Um, but again, great coverage, you know. But uh, so. Um, Speaking of great coverage, by the way, thirteen pass breakups in the game by our defensive yeah, back. So, so in the game, thirteen. At least I think since like they've been keeping these stats, I think two of them uh, of the um, the most pass breakups that Penn State has ever had in a game have occurred this season already. I mean that makes sense, and and you know I don't know if this is partly by you know who we're playing or how they're playing us, but I mean that's incredible. Our um, defense currently leads the nation in pass breakups. We have 41 pass breakups on the season so far. Uh, the next best team, that's actually two tied, uh, uh, Illinois and Pitt have 25 apiece. So almost we're doubling you know, those up. Six, yeah. I mean, almost. I mean, it, you know, so our pass defense, it's not just our defensive backs. Um, our linebackers are getting in on that. Uh, stat as well, but um, 13 pass breakups, man. That's that's an incredible stat. You know, it's interesting here because, uh, you know, obviously Purdue and Central Michigan throw the ball a lot. Um, So there's that. Um, And and we got Northwestern coming up this coming week that apparently... Another team that throws the ball a lot. lot. I think they have, they like might lead the country in pass attempts. 
um, which is crazy to imagine from a Northwestern team. Um, yeah, their quarterback has almost 1,200 yards passing right now. Yeah, so so you could probably expect, you know, obviously Northwestern's not winning a lot of ball ball games, so something's happening on the offense that's not leading to to production um, there for the Northwestern Wildcats. So you can probably expect a similar uh, outcome, maybe not 13 or 14 pass breakups like we've had in a couple games, but certainly you're going to see a lot more, and, and I would venture to guess – turnovers as well because you know northwestern has been turning the ball over um and and kalen king had four himself this past week um uh, yeah four pass hiccups for kalen king a forced fumble and fumble recovery i believe which i think was on the same play (laughs) right yeah yeah and that's so for for he was the number one graded i think either cornerback or defender in the country um, this past weekend, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, yeah, he was all over the field. He was showing up all over the place. And um, uh, yeah, really nice breakout game. Of course, Joey Porter Jr., the other cornerback, um, he also had himself a good game. Um, so, uh, you know, it's... But, but you know, if they're targeting Kalen King, you know, to try to avoid Joey Porter Jr., you're like, watch out. Kalen King can play too, man. By the way, I think Johnny Dixon was like a former very high uh very highly regarded recruit where we got him yeah, from. out of South Carolina yeah. or something like that yeah something like that mm-hmm. I forget um yeah he's a he's a portal player yeah well yeah um so anyways all this to say with Zachy Wheatley making plays in the ball punching balls out against Purdue you know intercepting balls um and Jair Brown intercepting balls um we have we have there isn't a one trick pony in our secondary. Let's put it that way. It's not just Joey Porter yeah. Jr. Um, making plays and being a first round draft uh, potential first round draft pick. Some people are even saying a top possible top ten uh, draft pick next year. So we have players not just at every position, but behind them making plays. Zeki Wheatley's not a starting safety. Johnny Dixon's not even our 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 um, third cornerback. You know, that's yeah. Maybe he's making a push to be our third cornerback with some plays that Daquan Hardy has um, failed to to make, and some of the he's given up some third down, third and long plays over the last couple of weeks. Um, after making, yeah, I didn't see his name called very much this. Yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's ha- I think he's having a confidence issue. Uh, he just needs to right his ship um, a little bit. Uh, but I I'm not too concerned at the moment. But especially since. We have guys like Johnny Dixon coming in, you know, filling filling in holes. So it it you know, look. I um we already mentioned the uh, the pass breakups. Um, this defense has generated nine turnovers on the season. Um, so with we already mentioned we um gave up one turnover on the season. That's a that's a turnover margin of plus eight. Um, that's a pretty respectable <laughs> margin. I don't know where that falls nationally, but that's a that, I mean that's that's a lot. Um, that's a lot of missed opportunities for the defense when you take the ball away eight times over the first four games. So um, last thing I'll just say on the good side for the defense, we held Lee Nichols, uh, Lou Nichols, excuse me, who is um, last year's leading rusher in the FBS. We held him to 67 yards uh, for um, a long of 18. Um, Their whole def, excuse me, their whole offense only gained 88 yards on the ground. So, um, defense, uh, you know, made it tough on the ground for them. Um, and, um, yeah, overall really, really strong 
outing uh, with that shutout in the second half. Um, last thing I want to say on the good side before we get to the bad and then the ugly, um, Barney Amor is killing it. Yes. He, his punts led directly to 14 points for Penn State. Yes. So <laughs> in the first in the first half, he dropped a punt on the three-yard line. And then um, the defense was able to get a three and out. Their punter was on the back line of the end zone, had a um, you know, punt one to walk um, to Parker Washington, who returned it for something like 37 yards, and we had a short field that that led to our go-ahead touchdown um in the in the in the first half and then in the second half after our offense went basically four and out um he put a, a coffin corner punt uh on the heels of that really bad start to the second half for our offense and the guy muffed it and we recovered it on the seven yard line um which basically led to our first yeah, score he, of the second half basically on that one you can credit Barney Amore's placement uh, along yes. the sideline. Um, so the so 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 the receiver, the the punt receiver, had to like you know fade backwards a little bit and, and to the sideline, and you know as luck should have it, directly into the sun, basically. So you know, and it was enough hang time that he, you know, our gunner Malik. Mega was right there. And even though Malik didn't get it right away, guess who was right there after it? Curtis Jacobs was there to mop it up. So, so not only is he placing these perfectly, but his hang time on that particular distance was perfect enough to have our guys be right there to make the play for the, the, you know, eventual muff. He's become a real weapon. Like I said, led to directly 14 points. Um, he ended up on the day with three punts inside the 10 yard line, which puts him at 10 for the season. And by I mean, the way, for, again, for, incredible. For as awesome as that is, I think part of what was frustrating about Penn State's offense uh, in the game, which our offense was frustrating, um, minus Katron Allen and Brenton Strange. Um, because we did get 14 points off of, you know, um, short fields like that, you know. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, if you remove those easy points, this game looks different. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't very satisfying because our, our offense really never got a lot going. They had like yeah. one long drive to start it off. And then um, I, can't, I can't remember if they had any other like legitimately good drive. Well, it wasn't until Katron um, Allen was, you know, basically took the game over in the what third or fourth quarter. Yeah, we had a a fifty two yard touchdown drive um, in in the uh, at the end of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, um, so. and that was their only other like decently long scoring drive. And even then we were, you know, starting at, at yeah. about midfield. Yeah. So we played so. the field position battle. Thanks to Barney Amore that basically made it, um, gave the defense a, an easier job and gave our offense a, a, an easier short field. So Barney Amore. Hey, it's weapon. really nice to have a lot of different strengths and weapons in, um, offense and defense and special teams. And we, we put it together, especially on a, on a tough day for the offense uh, against a, an inferior opponent. We've, we, we found some ways to really play. I think it's, so, I think, um, I think, hold on real quick about Barney. The uh, last thing I'll say is, yeah. is just, you know, the fact that we've had Blake Gillikin, um, and, and then, um, uh, Stroud come through last year, 
Dude, you did this last week. <laughs> Jordan Stout. What did I say? Stroud? Gosh. Stroud. All right. We got, I got a problem. Um, yes. But you're right. <laughs> Gillikin, Stout, okay, so, and now Amore. So, so you just, you know, having those studs come through in the, you know, as punters, you got to just ask yourself, is Barney Amore going to keep up this? You know, all signs point to he, he can and will. Um, I just, you know, I'm really hopeful that he does, too, on top of it, because it, I think it's going to prove extremely um, critical in, in like the Michigan and Ohio State games um, and Minnesota, for that matter. These these are offensive and defensive juggernauts um, that field position can and special teams is going to play a critical role in those games. And uh, for as good as the punting is, mm, we've had some some struggles in the field goal department. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, so let's first um, close up this bad, uh, excuse me, this good section. A lot of good stuff, e- even in this game where we felt some frustrations. But there was some bad and there was some ugly. So let's talk about the bad. That's the stuff that 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 wasn't very good, but it wasn't like fully awful. Um, we already mentioned a number of these things. Uh, Clifford. All right. He had some good things. Uh, he started eight and eight, but then he went on a, a long drought. Um, for one stretch, he was, you know, after that eight and eight, he was seven for 17. So even though he finished with almost 65%, um, yeah, I just, th- during that stretch, he looked awful. He looked like he could, he didn't know how to set his feet. He didn't know how to throw an accurate pass. Um, you know, guys were open that he was, um, completely not even seeing like some, like literally guys who were a hundred percent wide open and he's forcing balls into double covered areas. Uh, Clifford looked bad for long stretches of this game. And, and, uh, there were times I was getting frothy, man. Well, I was well, so here, getting here's, frustrated. Here's the, here's the reality. Clifford is a coin flip. Um, <laughs> he, he, We've said this he already. Is. He, is. he is. He is. It's and and here's and here's why I can make that claim because because it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. Um, I think Clifford is is just subject to going suspect. Uh, you know, to to having g- going through these these droughts. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Central Michigan is one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football, and uh, and they. Both last year and this oh, year. We should have lit it up against that. We Absolutely. should have lit it up. I mean, so it's just Clifford is kind of he's a self-inflictor of, of his own problems. <laughs> he, he is. I mean, again, uh, you know, at least he hang on he he hung on to the ball. He didn't yeah, turn but, it over. But going through droughts against uh, yeah. inferior competition. Better, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Going through droughts against inferior competition, you know, the rest of the team could pick up the slack. But if we are just maxed out against a, a superior opponent, Clifford is not like we cannot, you know, we will not, um, you know, I can't talk right now. I'm just I'm thinking about Clifford sucking. And it's like <laughs> it's like it's it's cramming. The broth is rising cram- and clouding yeah. your brain. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, um, let, this brings to another bad. When, again, it's something we already mentioned, um, but um, uh, you know, the the games that Clifford has has looked really good this year, uh, uh, he's had a really solid running game, and um, this was not a great game for our offensive line. Uh, yes, Catron Allen got uh, over 100 yards, but Nick Singleton, 
only 42. And a lot of that was because the same kinds of holes that existed against Auburn weren't there against Central Michigan. And they got outplayed. They got outplayed by Central Michigan's yeah. defensive line. Those defensive linemen were knocking our guys off the ball. And, and it showed when we, you know, the, Cl- Clifford and Singleton were getting hit, hit around a lot in the backfield. Yeah. I, you know, um, at halftime, James Franklin made a comment uh, about, um, you know, Central Michigan running a lot of cover zero. And by the way, that's something that I remember from that Purdue game. They were running a lot of cover zero, which basically means fully man to man, no safety help over top, which lets you stack the box and put an extra guy in the box and clog things up. And you know what? When Purdue and Central Michigan can take away your run game, through cover zero and you can't exploit it on the back end of the passing game because Clifford doesn't have what it takes to go through his progression and find the right and open receiver, which a lot of times, again, he missed guys that were completely uncovered. He didn't even see them. Like that's going to be the prescription, you know, for uh, opposing defensive coordinators here on out. We've got to find a way to get a reliable rushing game going against a a cover zero stacked box. We got to find a way to make them pay either on the ground or in the air so that, you know, we can break the stalemate. And, um, you know, the line wasn't able to hold up their end of the bargain often enough. Um, And that I think contributed to Clifford feeling the pressure to find the open receiver, get the happy feet. And, you know, again, for the second and third quarter, really, there just wasn't a lot, uh, to be excited about um, on, on this offense. There wasn't a lot of long production. They couldn't sustain long drives. It was, I, it was I think, I think you know, Clifford can make pre-snap reads um, and, and call out pre-snap coverages. Um, and he's, he's pretty sufficient at, at doing that. But, you know, if that first read isn't there, that's where it breaks down for him. You know, I agree. So I agree. Uh, and against again, against the, your your really solid defenses um, that are going to come and attack and keep that relentless pressure up, uh, it has me worried. Has me worried. Yeah. All right. Um, here here's another bad. Um, all right. Uh, the defense. It, we just talked about how great they were. Yet they gave up a ton of yards. They are Ben. They are ben, but, yards. They are Ben, but not break. They are definitely Ben, but not break. Um, and they are opportunistic. You know, here we are, the second game in a row where, and uh, you know, Auburn had a bunch of yards against us too. You know, yep. they they got a lot of third and long. See, Central Michigan got a lot of third and third down conversions against us. That's a, I think something that Penn State really has to. Uh, show up on both sides of the ball is our third down offense and our third down defense. Like, you know, um, so that, that, that could be, um, it could be a problem moving forward, but you know, without these turnovers, what, what happens? I know. Like if you can't get a turnover in, in one of these games and you're giving up that kind of yardage, I mean, we gave up 270 yards, I mean, we're going to give up touchdowns yield goals a lot more if these turnovers aren't exist. Because a lot of these turnovers are happening on, you know, inside the 25 yards. Exactly. Exactly. So that that spells problems. uh, You know, if um, if we're not able to do that consistently and and, you know, with Manny Diaz's defense. We're, it's boomer bust, right? It's, it really yep. is. It really is still a boomer bust kind of um, scheme. <laughs> 
So let's talk about the ugly because there are a couple of ugly things. Um, and in the offense, uh, we kind of hinted at it, but um, there were just too many empty drives. You know, after going out and scoring a quick 14, we just, that, that stalemate allowed them to come back even. So it was 14 to 14 in the second quarter and 14 to 21 at the half. And here's why. After we scored those first two touchdowns, we had three straight empty drives in the first half. Three straight empty drives. All right. One of them was a three and out for negative one yards. One of them was uh, we only had seven plays for 48 yards. We got stuffed on a fourth and four, which, you know, I guess at the 33 yard line, I guess you're going to go for it. Well, with where our know, field goals but- are working out, like, <laughs> we'll get to that. Don't worry. Um, and then, then we had a four and out. Um, and then we started in the second half with a four and out and we had another, um, longer drive that, um, ended, we were at the 37 yard line of central Michigan, but it was a fourth and eight. And so we punted on that one, you know, so, so there were, uh, between the first and second half, five empty drives that ended in a field goal or turnover on downs. And that doesn't include the two missed field goals. Right. And those were so, those two missed field goals were by two different field goal kickers, by the way. Right. Uh, uh, you know, look, one of the missed field goals was a 56-yard attempt at the end of the half. But even there, do you, dude, do you know what? We had the ball at the Central Michigan 39-yard line, first and 10. Right. Time on the clock. We threw two incomplete passes before we had, you know, four seconds on the clock to to trot out, uh, you know, a 56-yard field goal. We couldn't even get it into reasonable field goal position, much less try to get it in the end zone. Against one of the worst pass defenses in the country, by the way. A reminder. This was when Clifford was, uh, you know, in that really pretty nasty drought, you know. So, that's ugly, man. I mean, this would have been the time you know, in the game to really kind of take it home against central Michigan, put up points, you know, extend the lead. Instead, what we did the exact opposite. We let them get back into the game with three empty drives. It was we, 14 to 14. It was a one score game at halftime. They got it to 14 to 14 at one point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We let them back in. It was half. It was, it was a, it was a tie game, one score game at halftime. And, um, you know, you know, credit credit the whole team for not letting it get to the point of, you know, a true trap game by the second half. Um, defense shut them down entirely, but still, man, um, that offense just did not get anything going against a team that had absolutely no business um, shutting us down. You know, that was ugly to me. Yeah, uh, it it certainly was, especially because Franklin professed after the game that his plan going into the game was to get Alar work in the second quarter. So they did not execute their game plans um, at any point properly, um, really at all in, in the game. Um, yeah. So that no, was not, it, it's a really good point. I mean, they, whatever their game plan was, it was not executed to perfection. Unlike in that Auburn game, it was just poor execution up and down. Um, and and I, so you know, I, I, I'm reminded to to go back and like look at the the larger picture of you know it, it was an emotional letdown in this game. I you know I I, I can't on one hand like yes we want perfection, but like it, perfection is not realistic. 
um, at least game in and game out for a group of, you know, a lot of young kids are playing, a lot of dudes are rotating in and out, and they're getting a lot of people, a ton of reps. And, and so the continuity of playing that Auburn brand of football, when I say Auburn brand, I mean the, the brand of football that Penn State played against Auburn, um, playing that brand of football, you know, week in and week out, Penn State's just not there for being the dominant team week in and week out. Like, say, a, a Georgia, which, by the way, even Georgia got it was in a close game against Kent State. So, you know, it's just hard to to be emotionally playing your best brand of football when you don't necessarily have like like it's just. You're playing Central Michigan. What's exciting about playing Central Michigan at, at for a noon kickoff on the Big Ten Network? So it's just hard to motivate players when you're playing 11 dudes at a time and you're rotating another 20 dudes in, you know, uh, from throughout the course of a game. It's just hard to have that le- high, high level of play sustained week in and week out, drive in and drive out. So I get it from that I hear point. You, and that's I get I that's I guess why you you win your clunkers because the expectation is you're going to have a couple of clunkers. Um, even like that's an interesting comparison with um, Georgia. You know who well, you'd think that was kind of a clunker against Kent, Kent State. State. You know? <laughs> Kent State, they, uh, so, they blew Oregon out. What? What was it like, fifty to seven or some, something something yeah, like that? It was it was, was, it was a lot. It was. And it's like, yeah, you get up for that big game, like we did for Auburn. Even though Auburn's going to probably prove to be um, not a game we we circle as being critical, um, at least in terms of like a resume builder. But you know. I, I you know playing Northwestern, I, I anticipate we will look stronger. And I'm not trying to get into Northwestern yet, but I anticipate we'll play them stronger because we had this type of game and we can like circle some of these um, inconsistencies and, and circle some of these deficiencies um, and be like, hey, yeah, we have a lot of young guys. We can learn from how this emotional letdown occurred and and, and do it without losing, you know, so so. Yeah, we we won. We beat Purdue in a, a game where we probably sh- shouldn't have been that close. Um, but you know, we won, and it's like you'd rather yeah. learn these lessons in a win, as we all can can point to uh, after the Purdue game. And this is a similar circumstance where you can, you know, learn these lessons in a win and 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 apply it moving forward. Um, and I and I again, I anticipate that we'll have a better, more complete type of game against Northwestern because of a game like this. Um, so, but, but really it's all about, you know, okay. So we, 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 we showed it against Auburn. We're going to need to show it three weeks in a row against these next, yeah. you know, after our bye week. So, yeah. so can we learn this now how to stay emotionally high? I hope so. Um, last thing I wanted to say on the ugly side of things, and this is, concerns me as much as anything else. The kicking game was ugly, dude. Uh, we missed two field goals and had an extra point blocked. I already mentioned the 56 yarder. Uh, you know, that's, that's a long shot literally anyway, but um, Jake Pinnegar, uh missed a 38 yarder. Um, we, we allowed a, a, an extra point to be blocked. That's seven points left on the board, man. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we, if we make all those points that, that are ours for the taking, um, it's actually a 40 to 14 win. And that's a cover. Which is, and that's a cover. <laughs> I mean, I don't care about I'm that. Just saying, because I, I'm I don't Franklin bet. Franklin has but covered yeah, every game I mean, this year so far. <laughs> just saying. So again, this is not the first time we pointed to the kicking game as, um, as leaving points on the board for us. And, uh, that's, it's the kind of thing that's going to, have a tendency to come back and bite us in some of these close games. And not up, to mention so. on top of it, we've been, we went back to rotating our kickoff men. Um, and, and there were some curious kickoffs going on. And I, and I, you know, I, I like we were booming all yeah, our, Frank, I thought wonder if like we had wondered, were they doing it on purpose to get practice, you know, coverage and, and Franklin at halftime said we got to, or maybe it was after the game, you know, the, he, he was not pleased with the kicking, kickoff game. Yeah. So he wants those to be out of the end yeah. every time. So it was not so. what we had hoped or anticipated was happening. <laughs> so, so yeah, Well, look, um, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, some of our frustrations, but the fact that we, you know, we won our clunker, um, that leads me to our mailbag for this week. Uh, let's open it up. Mailbag time. All right, this one's coming from Jeb Etner, and um, he he's he's got a would you rather for us. Um, here it is, bro. Would you rather blow out a lesser opponent and struggle against a formidable foe but still win, or would you rather struggle against a lesser opponent and soundly beat a formidable foe? Um. I think so. We win in both scenarios. Yeah. But the question is, <laughs> so, how do you win? So, which would you rather? Uh, well, uh, let's point to the 1994 season when we struggled against Illinois. All right, and and it and it removed us from consideration for the national championship because we had to come back and, yeah. and so so. It, you know, while optics and, you know, re- resumes are, are mattering more than ever now, um, I got to say, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather struggle and win against the premier competition um, because then it that I mean, yeah, that's just that's my answer is, is I'd rather I'd rather blow out the the um, inferior opponents and struggle against the better opponents and still win. I mean, I think that's a no brainer personally. Interesting. Um, you know, because it basically plays into expectations. Um, and there's a weird thing happens. I think when you blow out a quote unquote formidable foe, right. Um, or not it's, even blow out, lessens, but like have a strong win. It lessens win. them as and, an opponent. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's sort of counterintuitive. Yeah. You're like, Oh, they must not have been that good. Yeah. You know, I they mean, that's suspect. The, that's the Auburn conversation right there in, you know, in a nutshell it's like yeah Auburn sucks totally Auburn sucks totally going into that game it's like this is a strong team they're going to put up a fight now, and then Penn State blows them out they're like oh they must have sucked anyway when I'm answering this um, question I'm not talking about Auburn by the way no 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 no. I get it <laughs> just in general I mean yeah so to me Auburn is the team you blow out and then <laughs> you know um, <laughs> and then I'm talking about like Michigan you know what Michigan, I mean Michigan yeah, yeah so yeah well, yeah, I mean, of course, the big thing is that you get the win, and yeah. I, and I, at least on this stat line, by the way, thirty-three to fourteen, it, like 
we felt like we were struggling, but you're, it's still a pretty solid win. And let's, you know, let's it's point not to like, also 2000, um, uh, what was it? 2016 when we got blown out by Michigan. Like we, yeah, we, you know, we had lost to Pittsburgh uh, two weeks earlier in a close one, in a close one, and that game wouldn't have killed us. It was, I think, it was being blown out. I mean, it was one of those two games. It killed really us. was. So we had lost. It was two losses, first of but all. The blow, but it was but the, the blowout, blowout loss by Michigan, Michigan probably totally removed us from consideration by yeah. the committee. You know, if we had, if we yeah. had won that game, or even lost, if we had even lost that game by like a but couple lost of points, close one, they, they might yeah. have looked at us differently, being a a Big Ten champion. They might have. We might have been the first two loss team, but the blowout. Well, aspect I would say. Of it, I, that, I was actually going to fall on the other side of this question, um, but I, you've convinced me that at least in the current iteration of the, um, y- you know, the way the the uh, four teams are selected, yeah. you really need to match the expectations of the national you know, consciousness. Yeah, y- you you don't have the flexibility to, um, y- you know, put significant doubt in the minds of voters uh, or that committee that's making the the choice. Like it now, interestingly enough, we bumped up in the AP poll three, you know, three spaces, even though we had a, I would say a rather uninspired game, uninspired win, um, you know, it was good enough to move us up. So this is probably not that, you know, let down struggling game. Uh, you're not going to occur during dude, the next dude, game. The, narr- the national narratives were Penn state played well. Which is mind blowing to <laughs> no me. No one was watching the game. Yeah, I right. Guess. No, I mean, it's. I honestly believe that we, like, because it was Central Michigan and there were other, you know, close games happening and other other upsets happening. I think we flew under the radar of of we actually played a clunker of a game. Well, you know, on, on the other hand, our defense really played lights out. They had some pretty in the second big half. splash in the plays. And in the second half, in particular, you know, I mean, and holding Central Michigan to fourteen. Like, I can't remember what our um, predictions were, but like, you know, I had them scoring 16. I think you may have had them scoring 21. Yeah. So I think I, I think, you know, I think there was an expectation that Central Michigan was going to have an ability to put up points. Look, uh, we, I didn't say this, by the way, when we, I talked about that shutout of the defense in the second half, mm-hmm. but when they played Oklahoma State, they, they put up 22 in the fourth quarter alone. So the fact that we were able to shut them down and keep them from getting back into the game, it was only a three-score win. You know, if they had put up twenty-two in the fourth quarter, they win that game. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. So, um, so the defense did play a good game, and and um, even though the offense really didn't look great on paper, I can't imagine there were a whole lot of people watching the actual game unfold. Well, yeah, so, and that's my um, that's my point there. Quite frankly, is just like. You know, we watched the game and we knew we know it was frustrating. We know that 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 was not what Penn State's capable of. And somehow nationally, no one else observed it, you know? Yeah. And so we, so let's, we even let's climbed over. We, we even climbed of, over Utah, who who did who won their game. Yeah. So so um, thanks for that uh, question, uh, Jeb. Yeah. Thanks, Jebner. Uh, <laughs> um, and, um, we, we're both feeling like, uh, we'd rather play to expectations and blow out the lesser flow, excuse flow. Me, lesser foe flow from progressive, and, um, <laughs> and play a tight game, but win against the strong competition. Hey, we have one more lesser foe. I mean, North- Northwestern is very possibly the worst team in the big 10 and that's 
saying something. <laughs> um, and we play them this week. Okay. Um, so let's talk about that look ahead and um, we'll, we'll get into it. You know, I don't want to take any big 10 team for granted, except for maybe Rutgers because I mean, Rutgers is Rutgers, but um, you know, this is uh, a Northwestern team that historically has played really strong, has played really well. Maybe not this iteration, but sort of Northwestern, you know, uh, fights above their weight class. So um, just so you can all put it on your calendar, it's 3.30 Eastern is the kickoff on ESPN. Um, and uh, the Northwestern Wildcats uh, are coached by Pat Fitzgerald. Um, you know, he's he's a well-known coach. Uh, he might be the longest tenured coach behind, um, you know, what's his name from Iowa? Gosh. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, beyond Kirk Ferentz, I think he's the longest tenured coach uh, in the Big Ten. I think um, in college football. Uh, well, interesting. Well, I, know I know Kirk Ferentz is the longest tenured coach in college football. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, so Pat Fitzgerald, I think, is probably second behind Ferentz in the Big Ten, but I don't know where he stands nationally. But anyway, um, look, Northwestern this year has not had a good season. Okay, up to this point, they've had actually a pretty, pretty rotten season. Andy, how many? Are, how many? How many games have they won on American soil? They have not won yet in the U.S. this season. <laughs> <laughs> Their one win on the season was versus Nebraska, but that was in Ireland. How, and by um, the way, in the week zero kickoff. Game. Interestingly enough, um, wasn't James Franklin's first win, uh, in, you know, off American soil in Ireland? Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but so that was their one win, and that was a that was a tight game. They very well could have lost that game. In fact, Nebraska maybe lost that game um, and handed them a win, if memory serves. Um, all that, to, however, <laughs> they are tied for first in the Big Ten West <laughs> because uh, they they are. Um, have one win in the Big Ten against that Nebraska team. So they're tied in a three-way tie with Minnesota and Iowa. That's unbelievably the, pathetic. I know. <laughs> that goes to show you what's going on I mean, in the Big it, Ten. What? I mean, but, you know, Andy, pointing that out is like, this is why Northwestern shouldn't be overlooked. Like, they still have things to play for. The, That's the true. conference slate. That's very good point. They're, they're, they are leading they're tied for the lead in their division in the conference uh, you know like uh, so yeah i mean if they start if they start going on a win streak there's here, reasons they have to a believe to play for this there's reasons to believe they have a chance things. to play for the uh the west big 10 championship yeah, exactly. at this point and they've done this that point. Now, and they, they don't they've done that in recent memory um right being, start off, being a, start not off a good team bad you know yeah. so it's really interesting. Yeah. So you don't want to take them for granted, but look at the same time, they are not playing well right now. They're coming off of a loss to Miami of Ohio, yeah, which at this point in the season might be a better team than Miami of Miami, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but look, Miami of Ohio hasn't beaten a Big Ten team in two decades. Hmm. The last time they did so was against Northwestern, yeah, <laughs> two thousand three. But that was the year they had Ben Roethlisberger as their quarterback. Um, they went on uh, to finish at 11-1 and one that year and number 10 in the AP poll. That was a good Miami of Ohio team that year. This is probably not that good of a team. That Northwestern um, team Northwestern's beat us that year too, by the way. 
Yeah. Uh, may not have been saying that much. That was a pretty bad year for us, <laughs> um, if, if memory serves. But um, look, that's Northwestern's second straight loss this season to a non-Power 5 opponent. Uh, previous week, they lost to Southern Illinois and looked pretty bad doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, Northwestern had a chance to win that game this past weekend. It was just absolutely, uh, totally sloppy play. Um, here's what Pat Fitzgerald said after that game, quote, I don't want to discredit Miami, but we continue to beat ourselves, giving up short fields, keeping our defense on field with a blocked punt turnovers. It's not rocket science. You've got to take care of the ball to win. So this is a, a team that really is beating themselves a lot. It's it's a, a pattern, um, you know, to boot. They gave up 171 yards on the ground to Miami's running back. So, you know, there's just not a lot of things going well for Northwestern right now. Yeah. Now, look, they they do have some, some things that they could put together. Okay, so... Um, we already talked about Pat Fitzgerald, um, one of the longest tenured coaches in the Big Ten. He knows how to play football. He's a Northwestern guy. He played linebacker for them. He's a tough guy. He's a defensive guy. Um, but he's got some uh, experience on the offensive side of the ball. Um, their quarterback, Ryan Helsinki, is second-year starter for Northwestern. Um, he's played uh, four years of football before that. He's a transfer from South Carolina. Um, and then, um, Evan Hall, they're running back. It's his fourth year in the program, uh, second year as a feature back. Uh, he already has, um, 370 yards on the season. Um, and meanwhile, um, Helsinki, their quarterback is almost 1200 passing yards on the season. So he's averaging almost, um, 300 yards in the air every game. I like the way this offense um, stacks up against our defense from, a from like what they want to do versus what we've already shown we can maybe not completely shut down, but certainly keep out of the end zone more than our offense gets in the end zone. Um, so, so that's, that's promising. Um, particularly since I, I know that they turn the ball over a lot more, um, than, than say, yeah, Purdue. I think our defense is going to be really excited by the number of times they've put the ball on the ground. Yeah. Um, they're minus five yeah. on the season yeah. for turnover ratio. Yeah. Uh, three interceptions, seven fumbles lost. That's wild. Um, so th- this is a team that's going to be going after the ball. Um, or I should say our defense is going to be going after the ball. I mean, Manny Diaz ball. is coaching this. He's he's coaching this in, in, in these players. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know? Um, it, Clearly a point of emphasis. Now, I think you kind of – there's a little bit of a trade-off um, when you're – when you're a defender and you're thinking about um, stripping or punching, you're, you're not you're not running full speed downhill to make a wrap up tackle if that's how you're going to be approaching, you know, a ball carrier. So um, so that's an interesting like trade off when it comes to our tackling is like how many tackles do we, are we missing because our our approach to the um, technique of tackling is, you know, like how, how many times are our, our tacklers coming in just to make a tackle compared to how many they'd be coming in to make a tackle if they weren't thinking about stripping the ball, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and even if we're not missing tackles, how many extra yards after contact right, are we giving right, up because right. we're not dedicating all of our force just to stopping. So, so uh, I think ball that carrier. that's, that's a, a part of a, you know, why, we are seeing ourselves maybe not making as many tackles, um, 
you know, in, in the, in the front seven, um, so, so much is, or, you know, before they are picking up for long third downs, long or first down plays and all that kind of stuff. I think it's an interesting thing to at least note moving forward is, is that trade off worth it? And it so far this season, so far, it, so good. it seems to have <laughs> been, been paying dividends, you know, these havoc plays and these chaos plays, um, I think that they've the 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 quote unquote analytics probably say if you're winning the turnover battle you're going to win the game right so yeah even if you give up yards right right, right. And, and I think the team at least on our schedule that I think that that uh, may not work for is Ohio State because of how they can get long plays in bunches in an avalanche type fashion and you know like you just got to play solid defense against them and 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 just tighten the screws. But you know this Northwestern team is certainly a far cry from that. Look, their um, their longest play of the season has been 41 yards on a on a pass play. Um, Helsinki's uh, average yards per attempt is only 6.5 yards per attempt. So they're going for short passes. They're not getting long explosive plays. Um, their their long run on the season is 21 yards. Um, I guess that's our feature back. Uh, the, the long rush is actually 27, who is our number two back. So, you know, 27-yard rush is their long. 41-yard pass is their long. Uh, they're just – it's a lot of slow, small, plodding uh, um, plays. And, you know, that may be one of the reasons why they're having a hard time scoring, <laughs> you know, because they're just – more opportunities to make a mistake in there, and they've been making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that Manny Diaz is going to be able to exploit that. And, and I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And this defense, I hope so. I think, and I think, you know, now the, the second week in a row of, of, um, you know, playing this brand of defense, displaying this brand of defense, um, you'd like to see that continue. Um, and really gain a head of steam rolling into, you know, the, the, the bye week before the Michigan game. Um, so they can kind of, you know, be be feeling confident about what they can do against a, a, a better a better offensive opponent in Michigan. Um, and because Michigan does not they don't turn the ball over a ton. They really don't. So you, you got it begs the question, um, can can they sustain it moving forward? Past some of these lesser opponents who who have shown the ability to to be kept more careless with the football, um, that's really I think well, I, a, an I interesting angle about all this type of um, this this. I, I totally agree. I mean, if you, if you live by the turnover, then maybe you die by the turnover when you can't generate them. But I, you know, what what I was going to say is, even in the last few years against the quote unquote lesser competition, we were not generating this kind of turnover that's very ratio. True. So. So, you know, it might be the sort of thing where, yeah, you might not get, get four, as many of them. But maybe like two that are critical or one that's critical. Exactly. I mean, you know, the fact that they're looking for it, yeah. um, the fact that the other team is worried about it um, c- certainly could have an effect. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see it uh, certainly against the, the, the big three games that are coming up. Whether or not we can keep that going is going to be a, one, a major factor. One thing that was a little disconcerting about this defensive performance, and and by the way, we were 
in the first half and right away out of the gate, I think we were we just I I was going back through some of the texts from our text thread um, and we were talking about this defense like it was putrid through the first quarter and first half. <laughs> um, and yeah, we were I mean, not, especially in those two touchdown drives we allowed. It was that was very porous. It was it was not cleanly defended in, in any way. So so, um, you know, <laughs> what I want to see. And what we didn't see as much of, at least until the fourth quarter, was we didn't really get into the backfield too much as a defensive line and as a defensive um, uh, unit. Uh, we didn't. Yeah, we were not overpowering them from the outset. Um, we didn't do a lot to disrupt things right, behind the right. line of scrimmage. And, I agree with and you And I'd on like that. to see us getting back to that that brand of disruption that we started seeing against Auburn, and we saw it in a massive way against Auburn. Um, so you, Yeah, we only had... We only had two sacks on the day against Central Michigan. Both of them came in the fourth quarter by Deny Dennis. Exactly, Sutton. and and that was when the game was in hand. And Deny Dennis Sutton was a, a second, third teamer kind of, kind of, you know, it wasn't when the game was in question still. So, so I, I kind of yeah. don't, I don't give those to the defense on whole because the, because I, I, I'd say when when the game was still highly competitive and and you weren't sure who was going to win the game. Their their offensive and defensive lines were, I think, playing better than ours. So uh, I mean, like that that Auburn game. I said even from the you know first half, you could see that we were winning. We were maybe not dominating. We were winning the battle in the trenches, and I didn't see that this. Game. Yeah, and I really, I really do believe it. It, it it's you know, and I hope as well that it is due to that emotional letdown from the Auburn game. And so I really am eager to see us getting back to that against, against, um, against Northwestern here after we've, <laughs> yeah, I mean, emotional and perhaps physical letdown. Not only were you putting a ton of energy into the game, yeah, yeah, but you're also course. flying down to Auburn and back. And there was some stories about like kind of the crazy, you know, indirect way you had to get there because of the airport, you know, being under construction or whatever. So, you know, just travel takes a lot out of you, man. So it, it's, it's very possible that that, that did have a factor. I, you'd, you'd love to see this um, front seven to get back to dominating. And by the way, Northwestern has given up nine sacks on the year already. There so we go. Now that's an opportunity for us. So, so I think a couple of things are playing into our favor going into this Northwestern game. A, it's a bit, it's a big 10 opponent. Um, and you can, you can motivate your team to say, Hey, this is when the rubber meets the road for real. We got to, you know, if you want to win our conference, you know, it starts here. If you want to win a, a national title, it starts in, in taking care of your, your big 10 opponents too. Um, so, you know, it's it's no it's not a noon kickoff like Central Michigan. It's it's Northwestern Big Ten three thirty ESPN. So you know, point to if you want to, but like a BTN noon kickoff is a little different than a than a three thirty ESPN kickoff. A non conference yeah, opponent totally versus agree. a Big Ten opponent also plays it plays into it. So. I, you know, you're talking about how they turn, you know, Northwestern turns the ball over and Northwestern gives up sacks. They throw the ball a ton. Um, you know, I think this spells a, a type of game, especially when you factor in, hey, we're going into a bye week. You want to play strong um, and, and shore up some of these uh, things that we've um, shown over the weeks that we got to clean up. You, you want to go into that bye week strong before Michigan. I, I'm looking for Penn State to play a more complete brand of football this week compared to last week. And and um, should we start – do you have any more you want to talk about or do we want to bleed into some predictions here, Andy? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a a good point, just in terms of what you're saying, in terms of 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 the significance factor. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I just wanted to say on that point is that. You know, a lot of times we talk about the bye week helping for preparation for the next opponent. And for Penn State, that's not always been the case. Right. But here, the bye week really helps you not worry about looking ahead yeah. to Michigan. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, we've got a bye week. We got a whole extra week to prepare for Michigan. All we got to do is take care of business this week. Point. And we know we're coming off of a game where we didn't put on our best performance. Let's clean that up. Let's play with pride. And um, yeah, I really think that's I, I really think that's going to be a a very positive thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it I think this this week is spelling uh, positive things for Penn State personally. Um, Andy, last week you you called a uh, our our predictions were such. And by the way, I think I'm three and zero so far. Um, is that right? Yeah, man, yeah. way to go. You know, so far, and and you, and but you now have um, won your first prediction of the season. You 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 were forty nine to sixteen last week, and I was fifty six to twenty one, and you were closer uh, than I was. So so you're now got your first win. Um, so here here we go. You want to do predictions or what? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so. Uh, as is tradition, I have not even g- considered one time before this moment what I think <laughs> Way to go. what I think Northwestern is capable of doing. Um, but I, I, I do, I do think that we we will. Uh, I think we have a chance to hu- humiliate this Northwestern team. Um, maybe not in in the fifty six point range like I was hoping for against Central Michigan, but I think more so in the, in like the the forty five. Um, I want to say like 40, 45 to 10 range, 45, 10. That's my, that's what I'm, I'm calling it. 45 to 10 range. That's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it will be in that range. I don't know if my prediction is going to be correct, but I think it's going to be that type of game for Penn state, but I am calling a 45 to 10 game for Penn state. Um, you know, I just I, I I really believe that that we're going to we're going to get it together. Um, you know, the second half of that game, you'll see some 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 of the lights in Beaver Stadium on. So it, it'll just be a fun atmosphere, I think. And hopeful. I haven't even looked at what the weather is going to be, to be honest with you. That could play a role. Um, it's going to be raining here in Maryland. I don't know what Ooh, it's going to be in, in Northwestern. That might change uh, things excuse me, for Happy me. <laughs> Uh, you want to, you want to, you want to redo, huh? Why don't you look it up real quick before I, before I, cause I'm not capable of it. Um, cause if it's yeah, raining that right now, yeah, if it's raining for that game and by the way, it's Monday. So the, the prediction of the weather could, could change. Um, but you know, if it's raining, maybe, maybe, maybe we're running it a bit more. I don't know. Cause, uh, I think, I think an emphasis has been, has been put on Penn state's ball security this year. So, so we might. Might see an emphasis on on our running backs holding on to the balls a, a little bit more than than throwing it through the air. Yeah, so um, th- there is not really a lot of of rain chance. The twenty four percent chance of rain, uh, partly cloudy, high of sixty two degrees. So um, unless fall that game. changes, That's it looks game. like yeah, yeah, classic fall day. Um, so yeah, I would I'll say stick with it. I'm gonna stick with it. Forty five to ten. All right, forty five to ten. Um, look, uh, Northwestern. In uh, two of their three losses, has allowed 31 points uh, to both Duke and uh, Southern Illinois. Um, they gave up 28 to Nebraska. 
So it's hard to know. I mean, if Penn State falls asleep, they could certainly easily score in the low 30s. Um, but I, I would also like to see a score in the 40s. Um, I'm, I, I don't know if I can go all the way to 45, but I'm going to say 42. I think our defense keeps them um, stymied. Uh, I'm going to say 13 um, for the Northwestern side. Uh, so I'm going uh, 42 to 13. For what it's worth, I think so far this season, we're averaging about 40 points per game. Um, so yeah, I think we can stick with that. There's no reason our offense shouldn't be able to handle them pretty easily. I mean, again, if a team like Southern Illinois can put up 31 against them, we should be able to, to do at least that much. But, you know, again, the hot and cold, are we going to be able to turn it around? I hope we come off both it's particularly on the offensive line and defensive line. I hope we come out trying to dominate. Yeah. Um, I also bold prediction. Um, I am going to call an interception return for a touchdown. Um, nice for, um, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I think Joey Porter jr. Gets his first interception and another player has an interception return for a touchdown. And I'll just call that Jair Brown. Uh-huh. Very nice. Um, yeah, I've been calling the defense to score some points here. They haven't yet done it this season, so not sure what, what is up there. Um, really hoping that, um, that, that we get that. Uh, I, I don't know if I have a bold prediction. Um, make one up, grow a pair, <laughs> 200 yard rushers. Two 100-yard rushers really? this game. Um, sing- Stealing mine from last Singleton week. and uh, Katron <laughs> both have a good day. And, um, you know, lead, leads uh, to Penn State having, um, you know, close to 300 yards rushing on the day against um, against a Northwestern team that just can't stop us. Well, I like it, uh, Andy. Um, I just killed a scorp- scorpion before we started Woo! recording this. I'm, I'm heading into Arizona into scorpion country. Um, so, so let's, let's, uh, let's hope I don't find any crawling around in my, in my tent at night. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm re- real excited to, 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 to see what happens this upcoming weekend. Um, I have no idea where I'm going to be for the game, but, uh, I'll be peddling my, my happy, my happy butt off to, to get to wherever I need to be to, to be able to watch the game and record the next episode. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there, there are probably going to be some other interesting games on this uh, weekend. Um, I remember hearing about some of them and thinking, Oh yeah, that'll be fun to watch, but I can't remember off the top of my head what they were. Uh, do you remember any of the games this weekend that are, that are worth watching? I have no clue. Um, of, of any, uh, I, I have no idea. I, I haven't looked at that. We should, we, we should maybe incorporate that moving forward, at least for, from a big 10 perspective to see if there's any consequential games. Um, oh wait, actually there is, if I remember correctly now, um, Cle- uh, I think there's That's a it, Clemson, North Carolina state. Yeah. So a top 10 matchup is going on. So I'll be looking for uh, that's seven thirty PM on ABC. Yep. And then, um, and then there is maybe one, maybe like Arkansas is playing Alabama, I think. Um, and not that I, I think that's the other yeah. one. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. And that's a, oh, that's a top oh, 25. Oh, oh, and Kentucky, on CBS. Kentucky plays someone and I'll be looking for Will Levis to get upset, but I can't remember offhand. Oh yeah, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. There you go. Lane Kiffin uh, could 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 um, expose Kentucky and Will Levis. Yeah, I mean Will Levis had a 300 yard game and four touchdowns. He's I think four touchdowns if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, that's your noon game. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see if Kentucky's for real. Um, they squeaked by Northern Illinois this past week. Right. And then I guess right. in the Big Ten, the Big Ten, the 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 big game is um, Michigan Iowa. 
and that's going to be at oh Kinnick. there we go the, yeah the Kinnick the magic kick. the bit yeah the, yeah the big noon kick for um, as on bad, Fox. for as bad mm, as mm. iowa's offense has been their defense is still kind of you know proving to be f- formidable at least against the opponents they played so far um so you know even in the iowa state game they lost it was a close game um, so can, can Kinnick provide the magic to upset the Michigan Wolverines is definitely going to be, um, something that the entire big 10 will be, be, you know, keying into. I, I don't know if Ohio state has a, has a good game at all. Do they Andy? No, they play Rutgers, right. um, but our former opponent, Purdue plays our future opponent, Minnesota in a big 10 West matchup. Minnesota gets a chance to show whether or not they're for real. Um, that's also a noon game. And Purdue gets a chance to show whether or not they, that their, their bad games were, you know, just, just what they were in those games, or if they have a chance to actually contend for the big West title. Yep. 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 So yeah, some interesting things happening uh, now that we come to think of it. So um, meanwhile, uh, Penn state will be playing three 30 on ESPN. Uh, as we've said, playing the Northwestern wildcats, trying to uh, start a big 10 home slate off with a win. Um, that'll do it for us here at blue and white brothers for this week. Uh, really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, please don't hesitate to give us a rating or review. Let others find us. Um, and um We'll uh, see you next week. Hopefully Tom has made it past the Grand Canyon and uh, we'll be talking about um, what the team's looking like going into the bye week. But uh, for now, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with me interrupting and loving you. Wow. I can always <laughs> count on it. It always starts with I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, man. Have a great week. Yeah, we- uh, safe, safe travels. Um, we'll catch you next week. Uh, we are. Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 